This week in KMA Land, Shen Water Sewer Rate Hikes Glare First Readings. Peggy Whitson returns to space aboard Axiom 2. Shenandoah firefighters battle garage fire. Clarinda Council backs fire truck purchase. Clarinda schools celebrate test score growth. And a coin woman spearheads Elmwood Cemetery repairs. I am Mike Peterson. Shenandoah residents receive more information this week on proposed water and sewer rate hikes in the community. By unanimous votes, the Shenandoah City Council Tuesday night approved the first readings of proposed increases following public hearings in which administrators with the city's water and wastewater treatment plants presented facts and figures stating their cases for the proposed increases. City officials proposed 1.5% increases in water rates each year over a three-year period. City Water Superintendent Tim Martin cited numerous reasons for the proposed increases, which are a continuation of similar hikes the past three years. Among the reasons, debt service from the $12 million water plant operating since 2017, eight water wells pushing 50 years of service, development of two new wells, water tower maintenance and equipment costs, among others. Martin also cited water treatment costs, including lime used to soften the water. Other surrounding towns, they treat the water, they make it safe to drink, and they make it so it protects the, uh, the lead inside the, the pipes that keeps it from corroding. It provides corrosion control. But we soften the water from, let's say, 200 parts per million down to 100 parts per million so you don't have to have a softener. It makes your laundry easier to clean. It makes it softer, uses less soap. Councilman Richard Jones asked City Administrator A.J. Lyman whether the city could somehow avoid the proposed water rate hikes. At least speaking for myself, I hear from a lot of residents about their water bill. <laughs> and it's like, can't we find $2,300 a month and not do this. We did this for three years. We're going to do it another three years. It's like it's now in perpetuity. So yeah. We're just going to keep doing that? We, we, the, it is common practice and best recommendation by people who study utility billing to do an annual increase of around 2% or more every year. Lyman says the best way for the city to lower water rates is have more users. The more water we sell, the cheaper the price per gallon is, really, is what it comes down to. You know, it, it, well, it costs what it costs to operate our plant yeah. to have to do all the things that we have to do. And if we had an extra thousand residents that were using water, yeah, we could reach that point where we are at a comfortable that. spot. City Wastewater Superintendent Tom Fouch says the proposed 11% increase in sewer rates the first year and 10% hikes the following two years are necessary in order to construct a new wastewater treatment facility. Fouch says the existing plant constructed in 1963 is nearing the end of its useful life. Obviously, we know nobody, including us, wants to raise our water and wastewater rates. But unfortunately, we are at a time that we must with the new regulations that the Department of Natural Resources are requiring from us. And we have to change our treatment process on the wastewater side. In addition to the sewer rate hikes, the city plans to use a $2 million USDA grant plus a loan from the USDA's Water and Wastewater Disposal Program to cover construction of the new plant 
estimated at around $20 million. Shenandoah Mayor Roger McQueen saluted both Martin and Fouch for their presentations on KMA's Morning Line program Wednesday morning. I am very pleased with the way our uh, water superintendent, uh, Tim Martin, and wastewater superintendent, Tom Fouch, was able to do, uh, make presentations on this with, uh, with their uh, graphs and figures. And I think everyone there uh, completely understood and uh, a lot of the, uh, lack of a better word, falsehoods that are out there about these rates were, uh, were put to bed. Saying city officials cut the city's budget to the core, McQueen says there is no alternative to the proposed rate hikes. This wasn't something we came up with in a month and decided we were going to do. This has been a very long process. Uh, it actually probably started before I was elected. You know, we, we have to do this to keep up with, one, with inflation, and two, we do not ever want to get in the position that we were in before uh, the new uh, water plant was built that we had to put a substantial increase on the citizens water rates council members hold the second and third readings of the proposed increases of the next two council meetings in june one of kma land's legendary figures was back in a familiar place this week outer space Beaconsfield, Iowa native Dr. Peggy Woodson returned to space Sunday afternoon following the successful launch of Axiom 2 from the Kennedy Space Center. Five, four, three, two, one. Engines full power. And liftoff Falcon 9. Go Axiom. One alpha. <laughs> Copy, one alpha. Together we expand what is possible in low Earth orbit. Ad Astra and Godspeed AX2. Flying aboard a SpaceX Crew Dragon capsule and boosted by a Falcon 9 rocket, Whitson and three crew members lifted off for a private space mission aboard the International Space Station. AX-2 docked with the ISS early Monday morning. Docking sequence complete. Crew Dragon Freedom, Peggy, John, Ali, Ray, congrats on this historic achievement. Welcome to the International Space Station. Thanks. We really appreciated flying with SpaceX. It was a lovely ride, and as I mentioned, it was the softest docking I've ever felt. Very well done. Thanks to everyone for getting us this During official welcoming ceremonies following the docking, Woodson reflected on the smooth journey to the ISS following the launch from the Kennedy Space Center. Uh, it was a great launch, a great ride. We had a lot of fun on the way up, and uh, we're really excited to get a lot of work done up here. Making her fourth visit to the space station, Woodson says she feels right at home. Personally, it does feel like home. You might need some help, though, for a while. I could help you <laughs> with some of these things. But uh, it's a lot of fun to be here and to see this place again. It means so much to me, and I think it's, it, it actually brings people together just by being here. Fringold County native Whitson and Axiom's three crew members are conducting more than 20 scientific experiments during their 10-day mission, including some STEM-related education exercises. Whitson's fourth mission will add to her U.S. record for most number of days in space, which stood at 665 prior to this mission. Back on Earth, Shenandoah's fire department responded in strong numbers to a major residential fire late Monday night. Shenandoah Fire and Rescue responded to the fire at a garage at 504 South Elm Street at around 8.50 p.m. Shenandoah Fire Chief Justin Marshall tells KMA News flames were visible from the structure upon arrival. When we were dispatched, it was heavy fire. We kind of knew that going into it. Upon arrival, we encountered a, a two-car garage on the west side of the property of 504 South Elm Street. We had heavy, heavy, heavy fire. Actually, that it was in the alley between the 7th and 8th Avenues in that area. Marshall says the fire spread into some adjoining houses. Basically, we encountered 
encountered uh, a lot of extension. Um, we had heavy extension into the uh, residence itself of 504 South Elm Street. We also had some minor extension into another house on the corner. So the, the concentration was to get water on those other buildings and exposures as quickly as we could, which we were able to do. Marshall says the property suffered significant damage, but the chief credits a strong turnout and response by his department's volunteers with preventing further damage. I think we had probably a 99% turnout. I think out of 27 members, we had 26 last night, which was just phenomenal. Um, so we were able to kind of work and cruise and and kind of handle this one on our own. Rescue stayed and took care of us for rehab, made sure we were hydrated, made sure the guys were okay. Um, police did provide uh, scene security for us. Marshall says an occupant inside the residence escaped without injury. Though the cause is undetermined, Marshall believes it was electrical in nature. Firefighters were at the scene until 12.20 a.m. Clarenda officials are seeking a new fire truck for those hard-to-reach places. By a 4 to nothing vote Wednesday evening, the Clarenda City Council approved the purchase of a 2023 Ford F-550 grass fire truck for just over $204,000. City Manager Gary McLarnon says the purchase will be financed through some of the remaining funds from a U.S. Department of Agriculture grant that recently helped the city purchase a new fire truck. Since the city also issued general obligation bonds to finance the new truck, he says there is nearly $261,000 left over in the USDA account. What we can say with that is it's part of the GO bond issue, so we can buy fire equipment with that. Uh, but that's all we can buy with it because that was the original purpose was for fire department equipment. So Roger and I got to talking about it. Uh, a grass, a new grass truck uh, was something that came to the top of the list. Roger Williams is the Clarinda Fire Chief. Williams says the need for a specialized vehicle in combating larger brush and grass fires has been increasing in recent years. Several years now, our, our grass and brush fires have gone up considerably. Last year, our, our numbers were 35, and we're five away from being there already. We're not even six months into it. And the spring is usually our big time of having the fires. And Williams says the hybrid vehicle is modified to have a greater ground clearance than typical fire engines. He says it will also assist in getting firefighters into the more rural, secluded areas where a brush or field fire might occur. Williams recalled a house fire from last winter where such a truck could have made a difference. And this winter we had a situation where we had a house fire we can't get big trucks to. So we've got to park a mile away and drag hose to it. So we get a, we used a small brush truck to get to this fire and luckily got knocked down in the basement before we, could, before we got somewhere. If this truck is going to help us out immensely to get these tight spots that a big truck won't get to, we can carry more water. We can put foam on it. We can get a bigger nozzle on there. He adds the truck will also be able to serve other uses for the department within the city, including car fires, trash fires, and quick attack house fires. Students, instructors, and administrators in the Clarenda School District had something else to celebrate at the end of the school year. At its regular meeting Wednesday afternoon, the Clarenda School Board reviewed the preliminary results from the Iowa Statewide Assessment of Student Progress's spring testing. Results shared by Clarenda PK-6 Principal Leslie Ehlers showed considerable growth in the elementary grade levels in both English, language arts, and math. One highlight noted by Ehlers was an 89% proficiency in math among the district's third graders. That was a huge 
surprise for me at first. I thought, is that number really right? But it is. And so just huge um, kudos to our third grade teachers. But it goes back beyond that. And so our current third grade class is our first year that has had the Eureka Math curriculum since kindergarten. So that's telling us that it's working. Third graders were also 60% proficient in ELA. Fourth and fifth grade scores also indicated jumps in ELA and math proficiency. Though math proficiency dropped among sixth graders by 2%, Ehlers noted the number of students jumping from proficient to advanced in that grade level grew from 12% in 2022 to 15% this spring. Moreover, the number of fifth graders labeled advanced grew from 3% last year to 19% this year. So really, really happy for our students, but our teachers really putting in great effort, analyzing the results from last year, starting day one with this year, noting what needs to be changed, what needs to be added in our instruction. So this is where we are. We felt really good about this. We're on, we feel like we are on the right track and we'll just continue to grow and develop. Improved test scores were also noted amongst the middle school and high school grades. Overall, 712 principal Luke Cox's ELA scores in those grades grew 6.8% from last year. He noted the sophomore class's scores jumped from 56% to 76%. Math scores in grades 7 through 12 were up 14.2%. Our teachers worked really hard preparing our kids for this. Uh, we had our ISAS boot camps during our academic intervention time to prepare them for you know what they would see on the test using that, we call it you know, testing vernacular, you know, utilizing that vocabulary in your everyday instruction so that way when the kids get to it, it's not something new something that they're, that they're used to seeing. Final test scores are expected to be released this fall. Page County officials are holding off on replacing the boilers of the county courthouse. Meeting in regular session Thursday night, the county's Board of Supervisors tabled action in the boiler replacement, which was expected to be financed by American Rescue Plan Act funds. Supervisors Chair Jacob Holmes says he feels more comfortable in holding off on placing a good chunk of dollars into the replacement efforts after touring the utility with representatives with Campbell and Mechanical of Atlantic, who say the system, which includes two boilers, have a built-in fail-safe should one of them go down. I understand uh... It's a, it's a redundant system, and if it does fail, it's redundant. One can run the whole thing. So we're not in a crisis here. It's something to look at and think about. But we had roads chewed up everywhere, and they put back and cost the place what they did. So I'm, I'm of the opinion right now myself, put that money in more pressing issues. The board heard a proposal from Siemens earlier this year, including nearly $171,000 to replace each boiler and a slightly higher cost for high-efficiency boilers. However, Holmes felt it would be worth installing an alarm in the basement to let the necessary people know if a rupture led to a water leak from the system. We put an alarm down there that said, so if it's in the weekend or something, we would know that something broke. That would be wise to be able to do one because it can break any time. Sure. So that would be my only thought. We should probably look into that and get that done case we have a water break, then we know and we can work on it, fix it by another. However, Supervisor Judy Clark expressed some hesitancy as to whether ARPA dollars could go towards secondary roads. She added she wants the boilers to stay on the board's radar, too. I don't want to totally let the courthouse. I don't want that to go bad either. No, and <clears throat> and, and the one problem we need, I mean, one possible problem is that if it quits all of a sudden, and we can't get anything to replace it, 
then we're going to be in trouble. During a meeting in January, representatives with Siemens said talks of replacing the two boilers came after they failed an inspection with a local fire department, mainly due to their age. The board agreed to clarify whether they could use COVID-19 relief dollars for roads before making a final decision either way. The board also decided to have Siemens come back in front of the board to verify further the redundancy in current condition of the boilers. Thousands of KMA land residents will visit area cemeteries this Memorial Day weekend. In decorating the graves of family members, friends, and other special individuals, they may discover what a Page County woman calls an epidemic facing rural cemeteries across the region. Scores of headstones in disrepair. On a windy afternoon, longtime coin resident Ruby Thomas walks through the Elmwood Cemetery, a place carrying special meaning. Everyone in here I know something about or know them personally. So this was kind of a special project. And I used to walk this cemetery all the time with my dogs. And you kept wondering, why isn't somebody fixing it? Why aren't they raising this stone? Or this one's down over here. Or, They're not mowing it. And it's a different story when the shoe is on the other foot. In March of last year, Thomas accepted a Coin City Council position with a stipulation that she would be appointed the town's cemetery sextant in order to repair the hundreds of damaged headstones. To her dismay, she discovered the community had no money for cemetery repairs or maintenance. In a massive fundraising campaign, Thomas emailed a four-page letter to approximately 45 residents asking for money for headstone restoration efforts. My donors last year said, if you send us just a regular form, we're just going to wad it up and throw it in the trash. We want to know what you've done, where you've been, how much you need, because we will help you, but tell me where you're going to go. Thomas's email campaign garnered around $11,000 for not only repairs, but also for continuing upkeep and mowing. She calls the response a miracle. I've had people come clear across the cemetery when my stone setter was here, and I want to hug you. I've read your letter, and here's 100 bucks. And uh, they'll call me. They'll call me in the evening. I just went out and saw Mom and Dad's stove, and I saw what you've done, and this is fantastic because they knew what it looked like before. She says most of the donors were older residents. It takes a village to raise a child. When you look out at any cemetery and you see all these stones, this is the village. These people raised us and raised everybody before you. So we need to take care of them. And unfortunately, a lot of times we don't because there's not enough of two things we don't have, and that is time and money. The older generation is sending me money to get this done because they want their relatives to look good. In addition to monetary donations, Thomas gained important allies in her cemetery repair mission. Lindsay Hole Elwood and her husband Josh assist Ruby with mowing and other cemetery-related chores. It's a labor of love for Lindsay, whose first husband, Brian Hole, and son Miles are both buried in the cemetery. I feel like this is the last thing that you can kind of do for someone. And, um, you know, having the cemetery looking nice and having having all the stones fixed up is just kind of respect out of the people who are are here at the cemetery. Thomas also enlisted the help of J.R. Corson of Bradford, Arkansas with the actual restoration efforts. Corson, who has repaired headstones in cemeteries all over the Midwest, says his work is a passion. These people right here is what built this community. Wouldn't for these people here, you wouldn't have a community, you know. And to me, when a uh, cemeteries in disarray that's disrespecting the people that built the cemetery or built a community I mean it's just 
That's why I feel about it. Despite the initial fundraising and repair successes, Thomas says more donations are needed in order to repair another 100 stones in the next several months. Additionally, she says it's time for younger generations to volunteer to help save and maintain the Coin Cemetery and others. If you're going to teach your kids anything, teach them to volunteer right now instead of playing on their phone because we need the volunteerism and we don't have that. The people that come out here the most are the people that are 70 and 80 years old. They are some of my biggest volunteers. It's very seldom I get them between the ages of 20 and 40. My biggest ones that help me mow out here are that age, and uh, they've been fantastic. Donations can be mailed to the Elmwood Cemetery Fund in care of the Coin City Clerk, 506 Depot Street, Box 324, Coin, Iowa, 51636. As Memorial Day approaches, a local Veterans Affairs officials urging KMA land residents to remember its true meaning. In Shenandoah, traditional Memorial Day activities begin Monday at 10 a.m. with the parade from the Old Armory up Sheridan Avenue to the Rose Hill Cemetery, where ceremonies take place at the Tomb of the Unknowns at 10.30. Similar Memorial Day observances take place at 10 a.m. at the Clarinda Cemetery and 11 a.m. at the Essex Cemetery. Janet Olson is Executive Director with Page County Veterans Affairs. As a Vietnam veteran, Olson says Memorial Day has deep meaning because of the other boots on the ground who lost their lives in the defense of the country. When I graduated from high school in 1968, my friends weren't planning to go to college. My friends were answering the draft, and I lost a lot of them. So every year at this time, those faces pass by me again. And Olson says today's generations often see Memorial Day as something else. You know, Memorial Day was established to remember your buddies, the ones we lost, and the people that we've lost, the grandmother or the boy next door that didn't come home. And there's a deep, intent meaning for that, that we understand what life is about, and then it's our turn next. So we honor that and respect it. But in today's world, it's a little bit different. It's more of a party time. Let's go have a hot dog and a hamburger. And we've gotten away from the meaning, in my opinion. We've gotten away from the meaning of remembering those that are loved and dear. Our society just moves a little too fast. That's why Olson believes residents should attend area Memorial Day services or at least take time to remember departed veterans. I think it all has to do with respect. And acknowledging that maybe somebody did give some or somebody did give all to protect this country. And that knowing that, we can move forward with a little bit more pride and respect in this nation and hold us together. A list of some of the area Memorial Day services and events is available under the Community Calendar section at kmaland.com. If you're driving on KMA Land Roads this Memorial Day weekend, be careful. Ryan DeVault is District 3 Public Resource Officer for the Iowa State Patrol. DeVault tells KMA News extra enforcement and education measures are in effect throughout the holiday weekend. DeVault says they're particularly urging drivers to slow down, buckle up, and drive sober or find a designated driver due to the often significant uptick expected in travelers in Iowa's roadways beginning Friday and going throughout the weekend. We expect to see a, a good number of Iowans, you know, as well as you know, even out-of-state uh, motorists that will be hitting the roads for the kind of extended holiday weekend that gives gives people three days to go enjoy and spend time with family and friends. So we definitely, you know, expect to see an uptick in the, the amount of traffic that's out there. I know um, AAA is estimating, you know, nationwide that there will be about 34 million people that are 
are on the roads this holiday season. Particularly, DeVault says motorists should plan ahead and give themselves plenty of time on the road to reduce the chances for driver error, which he adds contributes to nearly 94% of accidents in Iowa. Additionally, he says the advice for caution has become increasingly crucial for teenage drivers during the roughly 100-day summer period from Memorial Day to Labor Day. He urges parents to ensure their child travels safely. Obviously, kids are getting out of school. Um, people are traveling for, for holidays and for vacations. We did see about 30% of the deaths in that 100 days were involving teen drivers. So, you know, they're getting out, you know, probably hitting the roads and being on the roads a little more than uh, what they normally would. In 2022, DeVault says there were nine traffic fatalities in Iowa over the holiday weekend, with none involving alcohol. So far in 2023, of the 122 traffic fatalities in Iowa, over 50% have involved an individual not wearing a seatbelt. That's why the patrol is also participating in the nationwide Click It or Ticket campaign running through June 4th. And that wraps up this week in KMA Land. Be listening each week at this time for This Week in KMA Land. And for more information all the time, log on to KMALand.com, where you can also hear this program in its entirety. For the entire KMA News team, this is Mike Peterson. Thanks for joining us, and have a happy and safe Memorial Day weekend. So long, my friend. This has been a presentation of KMA News.